0: good morning and welcome to another episode of crime over coffee we're your host i'm abby
1: and i'm erica today i'm going to be telling you guys about liddell lee
0: so grab your fire department coffee and let's dive in
1: On February 9th, 1993, 26-year-old Deborah Reese was found brutally murdered in her home in Jacksonville, Arkansas. She'd been hit 36 times with a tool called a tire thumper. So this looks like a, it kind of looks like a baseball bat. And it was actually a tool that she had kept at her house that her husband had given her for protection. Her husband was a truck driver, so he was gone frequently, which is the main reason that he had got her something to keep in the home while he was gone. Deborah also had bruises on her face and neck that indicated that she had also been strangled. A neighbor of Deborah named William McCulloch Jr. had been home on the morning of February 9th, and he said that around 10 to 11 o'clock in the morning he had somebody knock on his door and so he went to the door and there was a man there that was like hey i need to borrow some tools i i promise i'll return them like i just need to borrow them for a little bit and william was like okay that's fine so he gave the man a driver ratchet and a socket however the man never returned with the tools then around 10 50 in the morning Catherine williams deborah's mother received a phone call from deborah um, who only lived just a few houses down. And she said that that some man had knocked on her door and asked if her husband was home, and then asked if, she, if he could borrow some tools from her. She told him that she didn't have any tools, but didn't tell him that her husband wasn't home, and then called her mom to tell her that she was a little nervous about this guy, and she didn't trust him. So, Debra told her mom, I'm going to come over to your house because I I don't feel safe at the moment, so I'm going to come over to your house as soon as I'm done curling my hair. However, Debra never arrived at her mother's house that day. Another neighbor of Debra's named Andy Gomez lived directly across the street from Debra and was also home this morning, and he happened to be looking out his front window when he saw a man standing at the front door of Debra's house, and he watched the man open the door And he said, "Quote, make a beeline inside really fast." End quote. He obviously was a little weirded out, so he kind of kept an eye on it. And about twenty minutes later, he saw the man exit Deborah's house. And Andy said that it looked like the man was looking around really quickly to see if anybody was watching him. So Andy gets in the car to follow this man and ends up catching up to him somewhere a little bit later, where he sees him talking to a female with braids in her hair.
0: Can I real quick give a shout out to Andy? I
1: agree because the fact that he, you know, watched the situation enough to know that it was kind of suspicious and then followed the guy was definitely a lot more than what a lot of people would have done.
0: I, I really appreciate when there's a neighbor in these um, stories that realize something's going on and do what they can to help, just like Mary and the chickens and the... Velisca axe murder like mary came in clutch sounds like andy is too
1: turns out the girl that was talking to the man was named glenda Pruitt, and she said she ends up talking with police and telling them that a man that she knew by the name of skip came up to her and was talking to her and they had a really quick conversation and then he left it was later in the day when deborah's body was discovered in her bedroom approximately one thirty-eight in the afternoon And she was missing three $100 bills that her father had given to her. Supposedly, these bills had been given to her by, like I said, had been given to her by their father. But he had gotten them from the Arkansas Federal Credit Union. And it was in a stack of multiple $100 bills. And they were all in sequential order. So police developed this lineup. I don't know the exact process that they went through for this specific lineup, but they bring in a couple people and in this group of people is a man named Liddell Lee. And they have William, Andy, and Glenda all identify who they believe they saw at Deborah's house that morning and who they thought Skip was. And they all identify Liddell as the one that had been the man. Another thing that was quite suspicious about Liddell is that... At 1.53 p.m. on the day of the murder, he goes to the a place called the Rent-A-Center where he owed some money, and he uses a $100 bill to pay for his debt. And the Rent-A-Center that day received three $100 bills throughout the day, and one of the bills that they received had the serial number that was two bills away from one that Deborah's father had. In 1995, so two years after the murder and the trial is finished, Lee is convicted of capital murder for the murder of Deborah.
0: And this is just based off the um, ID of the witnesses? The ID and then the fact that a $100 bill had been
1: turned into that same oh, location. right. He was sentenced to death for this capital murder. And after 24 years in prison, Liddell was executed on April 20th, 2017. His last words were, quote, My dying words will always be, as it has been,
0: I am an innocent man. End quote. I have a bad feeling about this one. Why?
1: (laughs) I only tell happy stories, Abby.
0: Uh, well, I have a feeling he was innocent and was executed. So the time before he's convicted and when he's executed is a big chunk of time. My question is... Was it his upcoming execution that maybe would have initiated some second guesses? Only because I assume the story is not over yet.
1: The story is not over. That is a good observation, Abby. It was after he was put to death that they actually started looking into it. And the Innocence Project was requested by the family to start looking into it.
0: That's really, really sad. But also, I am glad that... The family and the Innocence Project still care enough to at least investigate these these situations. Yes. So let me, let me go into this.
1: So the Innocence Project and the American Civil Liberties Union are investigating this further and asking for additional evidence to be tested. And they requested that the DNA, um, the handle of the club that had been used to murder Deborah, be tested. They did test it in april of 2021 and the results are that of an unknown man they do not match liddell the dna that was on the wooden club was also found on a bloody white shirt that had been wrapped around the murder weapon It is unclear, though, if the DNA on the shirt was from the blood or if it was from skin cells. Another thing that the Innocence Project found strange about the trial was that the attorneys had stated that they had done DNA testing on six hairs found at the crime scene, and they, in five of the six hairs, Liddell was ruled out as a potential source for those hairs. The Innocence Project has stated that there's no physical evidence that directly connects Liddell to Deborah's murder. That's so just like really sad to hear. It's extremely sad and all of this is unraveling in 2021. So I heard about this case early on in 2021 and I've kind of been holding it back as Abby knows before releasing it because I was waiting to see if anything else was coming out about it before we released. And I'm going to share with you guys everything that we do have But I will let you guys know, currently, they are still investigating some things. First off, I want to state that the only reason the DNA was tested was after the family filed a lawsuit because certain DNA samples had not been tested. The thing that's really going to piss you off is Liddell's attorney named Lee Short said that he believes the reason they did not halt the execution for Liddell while they investigated stuff, even though there were some questions about it, is because if they had waited for the results to come in, the lethal injection drugs that they had ordered for Liddell would have been expired and they would have to order new ones.
0: Yep. That is some bullshit. I, the more I looked into this, the more I realized it was bullshit. I don't know how people are like, like, ugh, what the fork? (laughs) I think
1: it's they, in their heads, decide something and they don't want to be wrong. So they think that if they just end it, then everything's good and they can just move on with life.
0: And once again, props to his family and the Innocence Project for saying, no, you're still going to be held accountable for what is happening.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. The Innocence Project, that's exactly why they were formed, was to fight for people whose voices are not being heard and people like Liddell who do not have the chance to continue speaking. So there are a couple facts that I'm just going to go through that the Innocence Project highlights as things that they want you to know in regards to Liddell's case that are the main reasons they're involved and that they're fighting for justice. So, like I stated, there was no physical evidence that connected Liddell to Deborah's murder. At Liddell's trial, the prosecution's experts stated that the results of many of the forensic tests that they completed were inconclusive, but they used these as decent test results, basically, to state that Liddell could have done it, even though, as we know, we've discussed, we've seen DNA and fingerprint testing has evolved so much from the 90s until now that if they tested the same DNA, they could probably have an exact result. Whereas before, some things might not have been as clear. One thing that we have talked about in at least one other case that I can think of, I think we've talked about it in two other cases, is that the hairs that they looked at were a visual examination not a DNA test to determine if they belong to Liddell.
0: At OJ Simpson. Was that the one? Yeah. I mean, we've covered more than one, but the OJ Simpson case, they were just like, well, it's black and curly, maybe African American. Like, that's not. Hair comparison, in my eyes, means very little. I mean, you can obviously use it to be like, this person it has red hair and the person we're suspecting has dark brown curly hair like that's different but when it's just I mean how many people in the world have similar hair you know I just that drives me nuts that just drives me nuts
1: well and the thing is well the case that I'm thinking of and I can't remember the name if you guys know what the name is feel free to comment it if you remember which case it was that we covered it was one where the forensic examiner was fired because you testified about it
0: yes Ugh. Man, I I want to say, and I apologize if I'm wrong. It was the same one that got fired, or it came up a lot in um, Stephen Avery's case, and it might be maybe it's different. But there was in also the um, the staircase on Netflix. I can't think of the name, but there's been multiple big name documentaries where they have these experts testify in it comes out that they were just not even close to being
2: accurate. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15.
1: Another thing that the Innocence Project states is a problem is that the DNA from the crime scene has never been tested with modern technology, which is obviously, like I said, a lot different than it was in the mid to early to mid-90s. But now they can identify the actual source of hair through DNA, not just examination and comparison. They can identify and Test the scrapings under the under Deborah's fingernails, and there's a lot of other evidence that they can obviously look at now that they were not able to twenty years ago. One thing that, well, another thing that really makes me mad about this is the court refused to hear any new evidence or allow the DNA to be tested. Like we said before, they executed Liddell. They stated that the evidence came too late, and they were not sure that they'd be able to get another lethal injection within a reasonable time for him. Abby, actually, I did say something wrong earlier, and I want to correct it now that everybody's with everybody still here. It's fine. They started investigating Liddell's case two weeks before his execution date.
0: So I thought it was right after. It was right before. Yeah, but two weeks, like, let's be honest. In, in the time frame, I mean, obviously good, but in the time frame when it comes to something like this and court systems, like, it is, there's no... There's no quick turnarounds in the court system.
1: Not at all. And they, it was very clear that they did not want to wait for it. This kind of reminds me of a case that we covered a while back. It was a special release that we did uh, because it needed attention immediately for Rodney Reed. They ended up, it was five days before his execution date. And they started, the Innocence Project came in and helped. And This was in Texas, first off, but the Innocence Project comes in and like tells everybody and gets a petition signed, and they ended up granting an indefinite stay on his execution so that everything could be investigated. And to this day that we're recording on September 28th, 2021, he still has not been put to death, and there's no official conclusion to what happened with him, but it shows that if they wanted to, they could. Because they did that in this situation five days before. Another thing that is problematic with the evidence that was presented is fingerprints from the crime scene, from key areas of the crime scene, were determined that they were not Liddell's. And to this day, they have never been identified. But that goes to show that that points against Liddell having done it. None of the fingerprints were examined prior to the execution, and apparently five fingerprints are eligible to be searched in the automated fingerprint identification system database that we've talked about before, that long name. And as we know, this can identify who the fingerprints belong to very quickly if they've ever been uploaded to this, but they had never been uploaded. Part of the issue was that Liddell's lawyer had a substance abuse disorder, and admitted to being intoxicated during many of Liddell's hearings and trials. How does that not lead to a new trial? Because that would have taken too much time and money, and it was easier to put him to death.
0: Like, you would think there would be something in place for that. Some type of, like, rules, regulations, laws. You would think... Also, if you
1: didn't catch my sarcasm, guys, that was complete sarcasm. So his lawyer did come out and say, you know, afterwards that he was not able to defend Liddell properly. And so he said that the court should continue to test, but they didn't really listen to him, obviously. Well, I wanted to also mention um, Liddell was one of eight people who had an execute scheduled for the same 11 day period because... Like we'd mentioned, Arkansas's supply of lethal injection drugs was going to expire. So they had scheduled all these people to be executed in the same time period to get rid of those. Four of those people, four of those eight people, did receive stays of execution, meaning that their executions were put on hold. However, Liddell was not one of them, even with this overwhelming amount of evidence pointing against Liddell. That's pretty much the entire story I have about Liddell. I do have one Statistic that I was going to read to you. So it is estimated that 4% of defendants sentenced to death are wrongfully convicted. And over the last 44 years, 167 innocent people have been exonerated from death row. And more than 20 of those people were freed using DNA testing that is similar to what is currently being requested for the DNA in Liddell's case. Abby, what are your thoughts on Liddell's innocence or guiltiness?
0: Well... I would say for Liddell's case, it sounds like there obviously should have been some more um, testing done. I think just in an overarching opinion on on me, or one that I have, I guess, is the right way to word that. Um, we should really be making sure in our justice system that if we are putting somebody to death, it is a open, closed, shut case. I hate these ones that we cover, and Erica covers a lot of them just because I think it is important to tell, and she obviously does too, where, like, it's this, like, really crappy investigation, flimsy evidence, and they're just trying to, sh- like, close the case, and I I cannot in my brain justify the possibility of putting to death an innocent person just to close a case, and I would imagine the families of the victims would not want that as well. I definitely agree with you. One thing I came across when I was looking
1: into it was one of the articles said, you know, if if the courts did take the time to test the DNA, then not only would Liddell have not been put to death, but the person that actually killed Deborah would be sentenced to what they deserved. And... Deborah's family would have probably a lot more peace knowing that the correct person was taken off the streets. And right now they they don't have that peace because there's so much overwhelming evidence that points against Liddell having done anything to their daughter. This was a heavier episode. I know we cover a lot of heavy episodes. As Abby stated, I do cover a lot of wrongful convictions. Um it's kinda kind of what I really enjoy covering because I feel like they need just as much attention brought to them but if you guys like i said this one is not completely cut and dry they're they're still testing evidence waiting on some results for some stuff and then once they start testing additional evidence they might actually be able to come out and tell us who did actually murder deborah reese back in 1993 if you guys want to let us know on instagram or on patreon in the comments or message us email us leave a review whatever you feel best and let us know what you guys think. If you think Liddell is innocent, if you think Liddell is guilty, you are more than welcome, obviously, to follow this case. The Innocence Project will post updates for you whenever there is more updates. That's where I always go for my information. But like I said, just let us know what you guys are thinking. Let us know if you think that Liddell is innocent.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode.